The Start On Demand. On demand. Changes are being made at Manitoba's Liquor Marts to combat theft. We've got details and discussion to share with you. Lots to discuss on other topics as well, including carjackings on the rise in Winnipeg. We'll learn more about Valor FC's connection to Valor Road. A Cross Lake Manitoba man signs a deal with the Florida Panthers. And are you a snowplow parent? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, March 21st podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and, well, almost McNabb. She's not here yet. We should hear the thundering footsteps come barreling down the hall any moment now. I don't know what she's doing out there. Is that just a TV thing, do you think? Because Lori McNabb, for so many years, worked in television. She was a wonderful TV anchor and uh, working to deadline, taking advantage of every possible second. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah, uh, Maybe... She works harder than we think. Yeah, I think she works harder than us. Actually, I know she does. Hey, yeah, she I can does. hear you. <laughs> I can hear you guys. Just she, because I'm not in there doesn't mean I can't hear you. See, she's omnipresent, isn't she? We just cra- we we give her just a, saying nice we stuff. Give her praise. Yeah, Gee, she works yes. harder than us. We're just sitting here lounging around, and she's scurrying about in the newsroom, printing off the lineup, and eventually going to make her way in here. You know, we use the diva word every once in a while. It's more applicable to you and I. <laughs> That word. It's more applicable to Brett and I. <laughs> Selective hearing. I happening. get really distracted by Jeff Courier. He walks in to the newsroom the same time I'm coming in here, and we and he have wants a, to have a chat. We're chatting about what's going on in the day, and every day I hear Kelly Moore go McNab. <laughs> Six Chris Jericho is singing. You have to go now. Oh, is there a show to do? You're not wearing the Sorrells today. No, I've got like little runners on, so I'm fleet-footed. I could have used your Sorrells yesterday. I went for a walk, enjoying the nice weather, nice sunny day, Mm. but uh, my God, did I make a mess. I put on, like, I have these, they're they're old. It's time to get some new ones, but I have like, you know, those kind of wind pants. I wear them just as as like a barrier to try to keep my clothes from getting soaked. Like splash pants? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work. They just soaked right through them. So I could have used your Sorrells yesterday at least to protect my uh, legs that way. It's rubber boot weather now, I think. Well, I heard or read somebody on Twitter yesterday suggesting it's time to break out the... uh, Plastic bags, put them around your socks before you put your <laughs> shoes on. You know you might be Manitoban when you start doing that. I think that's a, an interesting thing to do. And you, you know, guys know I love my car naps because uh, I'll get to school about 20 minutes before I pick up the kids. Yesterday, I opened the sunroof and parked my car in just the right angle. Sun was pouring. I felt like a cat. Yeah, it's so glorious out there. Yesterday. Like it's just preening. You are a diva. <laughs> was, Cats are divas. Yeah. Awesome. That's the kind of thing where I would I would get a sunburn in that twenty minutes. I get a sunburn. Yeah, I, I put my front. arm out the What's window the on a drive, and I will get a sunburn. Yeah, I yeah. get a, I get a sunburn. I was there was a uh, I think like three weeks ago. I had a whole bunch of errands to run on a Friday afternoon, so I was in my car for like three hours. And I got home, and half of my face was sunburned. I looked like Two Face from Batman. 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and we want to get more details right out of the gate here on the liquor store changes that are coming. Global's Brittany Greenslade joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Brittany, what is happening with the liquor marts? There is going to be a lot of changes that we're going to start seeing in the coming weeks and months. So, first of all, they're saying that we're going to have new trained loss prevention officer team. They're going to be stationed at stores during peak periods, especially where they've seen incidents of thefts increase in the past. Um, we know there was the pilot project a little while ago where they started using um, special duty constables in liquor marts. That is now going to be expanded. Uh, as most people know, they've always got this show your age program where if you look under 25, you might be asked to show ideas you're purchasing your alcohol. Well, now... Any customer entering a liquor store, regardless of their age, could be asked to show a government-issued ID to a security officer right at the door. Um, we're also going to be seeing checked bags. And this doesn't mean, hey, can I look inside your purse? It means your backpack, your purse, any large bag that you're carrying. You could be asked to actually um, have it stored at uh, inside the liquor store, so you can't be walking around with it, and they'll use basically a, a claiming system as you're w- walking way out, kind of like you would with a coat check essentially. Um, Bottle locks, alarm pedestals, those are going to be big. We're going to see more lockable shelves. And future measures, this is a big one. They're going to start creating additional physical barriers. So controlled entrances and exits, essentially where somebody would kind of have to press a button to let you out of the store. We talked about that uh, several months ago with different retail experts, Brittany, kind of like if you're going into certain jewelry stores, you have an entrance and then you wait and then you would be buzzed into the main part. Is that kind of a fair comparison exactly. to what they're talking about? Exactly. So I did, if you actually go to my uh, my Twitter, Brit at Global, I tweeted a picture of what that could look like in the coming month. You'll, you'll see basically the little barriers. They'd have to press a button and let you out. We're also getting a glimpse today of this enhanced surveillance system that they're using. So that's actually going to be visible to the public. So when you're walking in, and this is very, very high res, so it's going to help Winnipeg police um, when they're making arrests, but it also means you can see yourself very clearly as you're walking around the store. Um, We're looking at 16 surveillance cameras just alone on this one screen that I'm looking at right now, and I'm in the opposite room from my cameraman, Rudy, and I can see him very clearly on one of those small boxes right now from the other side of the liquor store. We've been talking about the cost to the industry, hundreds of thousands of dollars in loss due to theft uh, last year alone. What's the cost of all these changes? These are major. These are major changes. So we are still waiting to hear that. We are uh, getting underway at this press conference here in just a few moments. So we are expected to get some more information on that. But what they have told us is that they've had 113 arrests since October um, and that they know that there's been some really aggressive thieves. We've seen this. We've heard this on the streets talking to people. Um, We've also heard people try to take this into their own hands. And that's something that police and uh, the the, um, Crown Corporation really don't want people to do. I'm fascinated to hear what customers might think about this because you've talked about physical barriers, not just showing your ID at the at the till, but potentially when you come in the store, bottle locks. I, I think one of your mm-hmm. pictures, Brittany, shows uh, for certain alcohol, it says, please come take this card to cashier yeah. for purchase, right? So you might you don't even yeah. get to pick the bottle off the shelf. You're going to go to the counter and ask for it. Is that for all alcohol or it's not for all alcohol. I can tell you right now, I'm in the Grant Park uh, Liquor Mart. And over, if anybody's been in here, over in the vodka section in particular, those are already out for some of the high-end vodkas. Um, we don't know how kind of wide 
sweeping that's going to be for some of these. We're also hearing that they're really going to be looking at locking up some of those, maybe not so much the high-end ones, but the high-theft ones, the high-value targeted products, the ones that these are coming in time and time again and taking off with. Um, I'm really interested to see how they're going to do this bag policy because uh, any of you that have seen me know that I carry a very large purse and I get made fun of it all the time. So I uh, have a feeling that something that's on a larger scale like that, they're probably going to ask you to lock that up. And it, like I said, it's going to be like a coat check system. You get a, a number or something along those lines and you'll get your bag back on the way out. Well, it sounds as though Liquor and Lotteries has put a lot of thought into the problem, Britt. It looks as though the the solutions are, it's not just one simple solution. They're looking at multifaceted solutions. And these are a lot of suggestions that we heard from our listeners mm-hmm. over the last several months. It, it it feels quite like a, a, an excellent response on behalf of, of liquor and lotteries. I have to be. I have to be frank. Yeah, I think a lot of people have really been frustrated over the past few months. I know every time as a reporter that we've gone and asked for, you know, comments on the situation or what they're doing, we get the same kind of few lines of we take people's safety very seriously. They reiterate how many arrests there's been, but we haven't really heard what they're doing. So this has definitely been a response that has likely taken months to come up with and really put into action. And like I said, we're already seeing pieces of it being rolled out right here today. All right, Brittany Greenslade joining us live on 680 CJOB from the Grant Park Liquor Mart. Thank you, Brittany. It's interesting because now we're going to hear from customers. Customers have been complaining that we need to do something about this Mm -hmm. situation. And now that you have a process in place, and so just to outline a few of those things again, security barriers potentially at some spots where you might have to have a vestibule area where you're checked in or out. Uh, ID more more ID checks. You might have to ask the person to customer to sorry the staff to bring the bottle to you. A lot of changes. And then are we going to now hear from Winnipeggers? Well, I don't like this now. This is too much work. So, uh, you know, there's got to be a balance. And I think we have to give them time to work this out. Well, once that's exactly it, Loren, they they've obviously got a lot on the line here in terms of cost of inventory, the cost of the bottom line. You don't want to fracture or change dramatically the retail experience for customers. They're saying, in my opinion, the customer experience is important to us, but this is very important. We have to have, make some drastic changes here, and they're doing it. Kudos to them, because it would have been really easy to put a Band-Aid on this. This, this feels like a full-scale solution that's been very well thought out, a multi-pronged approach, uh, and taking into account location and uh, some of the products that have been affected, as opposed to doing a, a blanket response on everything. There, This is all very targeted it's very seems and feels very well thought through and not coming to every store they're going to different measures will be in place at different stores and so it will depend on where you shop it was at a high theft location did it have big issues sandy's just texting us now to say i'm so glad to hear all the changes mlcc is making free ride is over for all liquor thieves out there changes that they're bringing in uh one Texter says this, this will make Christmas and New Year liquor purchases even crazier, longer lines going in and out. However, I like the special duty constables who can actually arrest and hold thieves. Yeah, that'll make a big difference. But one thing we did hear repeatedly from staff there and and at the stores that had security guards is that they don't have the power under current laws to 
do anything. Like they aren't allowed to detain. So now what they're saying is they'll hire special duty constables, which is not the same as a security guard, but a special constable does have some of those powers. And so in those high theft locations, then when an, when a theft is in progress, they can work to stop, prevent it, or at least uh, do their best to mitigate the situation there. That's going to be one thing you're going to see at the stores. I, I can't wait to see how they do some of these locked entrances in and out, kind of like a jewelry store location where you might step into the is it, is it the lobby? Yeah, lobby vestibule. Yeah, and, and then you hit a buzzer or, or or whatnot, and then you wait you wait your turn to go in or until you're cleared. Uh, yeah, essentially what happens is no two doors can be open at the same time. So you're in control of it. You open, you walk in the door, and you have to wait for the door to lock behind you before you can open the door. And that would be if someone's leaving, I suppose. Correct. Right? Yeah, that, After, yeah. In or out at the liquor store, I would suspect it would be on the on the exit. But to catch them when they're leaving, correct? That, that would be the th- they lock they lock you in there, right? Okay. And, and then, I don't know, spray with some special dye or something. So <laughs> you will always be able to tell who you are. There's no, also I don't think that's part of the plan. bottle locks on some of the bottles coming to some of the stores. And I, this at least won't be the same situation that happens with clothing where you come home after your purchase and you realize somebody forgot to take the lock off your clothing because yeah. it, it would be very annoying to be hosting a party and get home and be like, what? Keg is locked. Take off the lock. But there's no, there's I, no missing these. They are thinking, very yeah. obvious. Yeah, they're right on top of the bottle. So I don't think you're going to have that problem. You are going to. It is going to take you longer at some stores, though. You're going to have to go order potentially, like take this piece of paper up for Hennessy, which I've never purchased. Hey, but- we did it for DVDs for how long? <laughs> I mean, really? Like we can't do it for booze? I'm just. The, the, uh, you're going back though, right? And so that is going to be a, a process for some people. But we've been complaining about the thefts for months. This is doing something about it. And in a moment, we want to talk about Winnipeg's soccer team. Just want to quickly mention, I was just reading CJOB.com, local openings, a sign of spring in Manitoba, and that includes the driving range at Shooter's Family Golf Centre on Main Street. I was looking at some of the video that was on uh, Global News at 6 last night, and there's still so much snow on the driving range. Like, it's a really odd thing, because the shot starts with just the green, like the fake green turf, whatever you call that, right? And like, oh, that looks so nice. And then as they swing out, (laughs) you're like, oh boy, there's full drifts still. That ball's not going to be found uh, for quite some time. Oh, we're looking at it right now. Global News Morning. Look at all that. There's piles of snow still in front of them. Yeah, I'm curious to know how they retrieve the balls. They're just going to wait until it all melts (laughs) and then they'll send out the car. Or maybe they create like a... Like a little lazy river, and they all slowly <laughs> roll into like. They've trained. What do you call those? A French drain that you put outside your house so that the water all goes to the a right what? spot, like a French drain. French drain. I'm not sure. Boy, I'm gonna get, have to get no. on the Google machine. No, you're probably you're probably onto something there, but I'm not entirely sure what that would be. But yeah, exciting just yeah, to see that. Tile, uh, sorry. Oh, weeping tile. I am just. Uh, yeah, I am. Desperate to get out golfing. I, I do, have been meaning to get out to the golf dome, the bubble on Wilkes just off Sterling Line Parkway to start shaking the rust off. It's not too, won't be long now, Mackling. Huh? I wore a golf jacket today yeah. just to get in the mood, trying to will the golf season to arrive a little bit earlier and than maybe we thought it would. And, you know, golf and soccer, soccer's just around the corner, Valor FC. Uh, training, getting ready, ready for their inaugural season here in Winnipeg. And on their way to their training session yesterday afternoon, the club made an important pit stop. And I remember when the name of the soccer team was announced, I was overwhelmed with emotion because it just 
such an important part of the history here in Winnipeg. Valor Road, you all know the story. And uh, the, the soccer team made a pit stop at the Valor Road Commemorative Plaza. That's at Sargent Avenue and Valor Road. The entire team was there to read the memorial plaques of Corporal Leo Clark, Sergeant Major Frederick William Hall, and Lieutenant Robert Shankland. Shankland survived the war, but the other two did not. All three of them received the Victoria Cross for acts of bravery. And of course, you've all seen the Heritage Minute short film about these incredible Winnipeggers. Head coach Rob Gale thought it was important that these young men of Valor FC, some from Winnipeg, many from across Canada and some international imports, gained an understanding of the meaning of the name. They read the plaques, took some time, then joined in a big circle as Gale gave a speech. All right, lads. I think, uh, I mean, hugely important for us to be right here, right now as a group, as we're starting something brand new uh, and trying to create our own piece of history for the city and the province uh, that we're here on Valor Road. And uh, you see from the plaques there and the story, it, it is something unique to us in Winni Winnipeg and Manitoba, something that we should take great pride in and reflect upon. Uh, and the fact that it's given us uh, the very name that we're going to go out and, and represent. But also important to remember, these are just three young men, same ages as you, younger possibly, that gave the ultimate sacrifice for their country. They've given their lives and the various men and women of the armed services who are still out there in battle today that give us the freedom and the way of life that we enjoy every single day now. Because without these heroes and the people putting themselves and sacrificing, and as I say, it's the ultimate sacrifice. And we can never, ever, ever take that for granted. Okay? We have a massive, massive privilege and an opportunity to be doing something we love every single day. And the very least we can do Every time we step on the field, every time we wear this crest, every time we wear this badge, is we recognize those people who are out there doing all those things, putting their lives at risk so that we get the privilege of living in this country. Okay? So never take that for granted. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Every single day. We make it count. And we go out and we represent ourselves our families, the badge, this city, this province, this country, when we go and represent them on the international stage, for every Clark, every Hall, every Shankland that's out there giving their lives for us. So let's just take a moment, think about that, and pay a moment of respect for everybody in the armed services who've lost their lives for us to enjoy the standard of living we have here today. Jordan, get our hands in, everybody in, hands in, we're one, two, three, and Valor, loud and proud, let's go make these boys proud every single day, Valor on three, one, two, three, Valor! Not only is Rob Gale an incredible soccer coach, soccer mind, but Lorandi's a tremendous human being, and, and that 
is just part of the audio I could have played this mm. morning. And thanks to Christian O'Mel for going out and being at Valor and Sargent yesterday. It's such an important part of our history. And, and Rob's not native to Winnipeg. No. You might have guessed by his no, accent. No, that's what I love about him. He really has em- embraced this community and this country clearly from that speech he just gave. And also, I, I think what's so great about this team and what's going to be really fun for fans is that if you if you just sort of understand soccer or you're just kind of into it, you can love this team for a whole host of other reasons. And a great coach or good players or good human beings is a good reason to be passionate about a team as anything else. And Rob Gale's doing that for us, I think, right there. So this is my old neighborhood. I think a lot of people know that. This is the memorial on, on Remembrance Day where I take my kids to observe Remembrance Day. And Winnipeg's Dylan Carrero grew up on nearby Ashburn Street, and it's a pretty big deal uh, for him as well. Well, it means a lot to me, especially living close close by, uh, to have the Valley Road uh, a big saying in the in the club's history and, and what it means to the club is, it means a lot to me, especially as a, as a young boy growing up, riding my bike down these streets, and uh, it's it's very meaningful. I'm very happy that the, the, the club did this really early, just so that shows the players what what the club is about and and what we what Rob and the whole club expect from uh, from us as a as a as an individual and, and as a team so I was very happy that they were able to see it so so quickly in the season I think Rob mentioned it to a lot of the players before coming here just about what 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 the team really meant and his philosophies in, in, into the team so I think a few a few players knew exactly what uh, what they were what what the club was about, but to see it in person, it's a it's a little it's a different. You know, you read the you read those little uh, articles there, and, and you think about it and realize how big this this is for the club. There's a chance that I've already done it, and uh, and I guarantee I'll do it mm-hmm. several times over the years, and that's to call Valor FC Valor Road FC. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I hope you'll forgive me in advance for that. Well, I think that just I, the whole segment just gave me a whole other reason to to want to go out and watch this team. It, I already was feeling this way last week when Rob Gale, apparently during uh, one of the practices, pulled a Notting Hill reference and said, we're just a team standing in front of a province asking them to love us. And I, <laughs> I was like, you are, he's funny. He's clearly uh, understands our history. And so I was, you know, people are going to fall in love with this team because of that. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Forte. We've heard of helicopter parenting. You may have heard of tiger moms. <laughs> but Greg, yesterday you told us about something I've certainly never heard of. It's called snowplow parenting. What is snowplow parenting? Well, they just get like rid of the helicopter. They trade in the helicopter and just get a bulldozer, apparently. And they just get right into the middle of their children's lives. And when we're talking children, we're not always talking about seven, eight, ten year olds. We're talking about adult children at time. And, uh, well, why don't we just read this? Snowplow parenting is exactly what it sounds like, acting as the rescue option for your child's every need, even when they're adults. And they did this poll, and they found out 11% of parents called their children's place of work if there was an issue, and 16% wrote a part of all of their children's job or internship applications. Also found out 76% of parents, 76, reminded their adult children of deadlines at school. 74% made appointments for them, including doctor's appointments. And 15% of parents texted or called their children to wake them up every morning. Who's waking you up, Bron? Not my parents, that's for sure. 
Wow. That's insane. Isn't it, though? That's, oh, that's amazing. My parents, uh, the most, like, they didn't let me just, you know, go out and fend for yourself and uh, hopefully you can make it back for Christmas or something. They they helped in, in that, like, you know, at my dad's work, they had a Xerox machine. So he's like, I'll make photocopies of your resume if you want to, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Or, you know, oh, uh, you know, while I was college and I'd come home for the weekend and mom would do my laundry and then send me back. To Brandon with you know a bunch of food and that sort of thing like that. And but I calling mean, your workplace? Well, yeah, Could you imagine no, our boss getting a call years. from Mama Braun? Hey, Jeff's just you're working him really hard these days. He really needs a day off. I should actually maybe we'll get her to try that. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> do you really need a do you really need a newscast at five thirty yeah, in the morning? A bit early, you, huh? you know, Jeff yeah. Jeff needs an extra half hour sleep. What what do you think we could do about that? She should call him Jeffy. That would really help, yeah. I think. My grandma used to call me that. Little Jeff, he's tired. And McNabb, actually, I'm sorry, it was you who who pointed this out to us. Uh, And uh, so what was your thought when you first saw the headline and sent it to us? What were, did you you ever think, or did you think, hmm, maybe uh, I have some snowplow parenting? Well, I've I've already been thinking about the things that you do for your kids and then, like, uh, the other day they might they said I'm thirsty and I'm like get some water like you know like, <laughs> like I already I already think about how the, you're trying to get them on this path to yeah. problem solve on their own like where they'll yeah. tell you like, like they're still at that age where they'll be like oh my gosh I have to go to the washroom you're like what's the solution to that <laughs> go to the washroom like you know they're little still so I'm not yeah. I'm not but I, I think that we might be increasingly on a path to overdoing things for them and therefore that's where we're at now but Cal- we have two different perspectives because you have young adults I have yeah both my and, daughters are in their 30s yeah and then we'll hear from Jeff after after who is one and I bet you his mom makes some phone calls for him oh, oh she phones to work every day <laughs> Come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We see that number come up on the newsroom and we go, oh, it's Mama Forte again. I'm just kidding. But Kelly, seriously, have you ever phoned or no, woken no, up your kids and make no. sure they're waking up? No, no, and no. Uh, yeah, at a very early age, we taught them independence. Now, every once in a while, the girls will call and ask for advice. And, uh, you know, certainly happy to, to share our experiences with them. But we never, ever say, you should do this or you should do that. We always say, here's something you might want to consider. But at the end of the day, you make the decision. And, and we started that with them at a very early age. When, uh, when they were in their teens, we started mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, get independent. And both of them, to this day, the thing I think uh, that we're the most proud of them for is they are fiercely independent young women. And you have to start that young. I mean, my son will say sometimes, like, you forgot to put my library book in here. I'll be like, I didn't forget anything. Let me like, check to see if your arms are broken. Yeah, no, yeah. You, if you know tomorrow's <laughs> library day, then yeah. get your book in your bag. Monday I'm driving in and I had to quick uh, quickly stop at uh, Portage and Memorial and I thought it was going to make it through the light. Had to stop and I heard something rustling around the back seat. So I pulled over and I look around and there's one of these file folders that the kids are putting their homework in these days. So I took a picture of it and I texted it to Jackie. I said, one of the kids is going to be looking for that this morning. And you know, for three seconds, I thought, do I have time to go? What are you thinking? No, go to work. He'll have to go to school without it. And, and he'll we'll have to deal, lesson. well, yeah. we hope that he'll learn a lesson. Just got a text from uh, Big John. Did you see this, Brett? Yes. Do you want to read it? Because it's pretty funny. Big John says, I own a construction company, and I've had employees' mothers call me to tell me 
He's not feeling well today, so he won't be coming in. <laughs> and he, wow. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to get back to Forte for a second, yeah, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of like Braun, where, you know, um, well, my parents, because I'm going to be moving out to an apartment, but they've both helped me look for that apartment because I don't know well, where to start. So they do that kind of stuff. But when it comes to like doctor's appointments or dentist appointments, like my mom would be like, Oh, you know, I have to go to the dentist soon. And, you know, she'll, like, nudge at me, but she won't make the appointment. That's all on me. Yeah. So it's just small things like that. My okay. dad still does, usually about two weeks in advance, he, he'll call me. He's like, just so you know, mom's birthday is coming up. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's different. different. That's yeah. just, I think that's just a nice, kind thing that's to do. That's what dad that just, you, We know you're a delinquent and son, I miss so his birthday fine. all the time because mom never reminds me. <laughs> <laughs> when we were younger, I remember having this, we had this conversation with our parents about an allowance. And there was this very brief period, and I can't remember the amount, but my parents said, fine, if you want... If you want to have more freedom, here's X dollars for the month, but then you have to do your haircuts and you yeah. have to buy all your stuff for whatever you need. And we got like 11 days into it, you know, booking your own haircuts, paying for it. And it was so expensive. Everything would just yeah. add it up. And you were like, oh, a lot of stuff goes into this. So at a very young age, it was kind of instilled in you, not just the money side, but be, you have to plan. You have yeah, to think the, of these the things. The accountability and, factor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we I think we got maybe three weeks into that month and we're like, we'd like to get back to the old system. The old system was better. Pay or pay for yeah, anything. We're, we're under your thumb. Yeah. <laughs> I think my dad woke me up every day of my entire high school career. Every day. Brett, wake up. Ten minutes later. Brett, wake up. Brett, you're going to be late. Brett, you're going to, you missed your bus. Get up. <laughs> but that's high school. Like, that's just your yeah. teenager struggling to sleep. Some, if you're 24 years old and your mom's still, hey, Breddy, or, you know, hey, Greggy, just wanted to wake you up. Yeah, like, or your to get grandma the Greggy or grandpa too. or whatever. And then, I got, yeah. and then I get the pot of water to get me out, out of bed a couple of times. And one time it was Bob Irving's fault always that I was late for school. We started at 8.50 and, of course, 8.25 sports. I had to get the sports at 8.25. Of course, I couldn't do it standing up. I had to still be in bed, laying down, listening to it. One time my stepdad goes down in the basement, shuts off the breakers to the upstairs <laughs> just as the 8.25 sports is about to come on. That got me out of bed pretty I quick. I like your stepdad. <laughs> Mackling McGarry McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on 680 CJ. I have a confession that I have to make here. I uh, sa- suggested that my dad woke me up every day during high school. And then Lorraine said, oh, that's high school. Because we were talking about the snowplow parenting. It wasn't high school. It was like through my, because my dad was still working in high school. So he was long gone by the time I had to get up. It was in my t- all my, through my 20s, whether it was university or had to get up for work. So your dad is the snowplow, had to be the snowplow parent. Kind of, yeah. you up. But he wasn't calling your workplace no. or, you know, setting your alarm for you. Getting you up in your house, I suppose, is still. And he would try to wake me up. And then inevitably what would happen is I would. Finally get up three minutes before my bus was scheduled to arrive. So I'd get up, I'd put on whatever clothes I could find on the floor, and I'd be running down Hoka to get to Kildare to catch the 47 Transcona <laughs> to get to work downtown. And sometimes I would miss it. Uh, but it was not because of my dad's best efforts. So. Oh, nothing worse than missing the bus. Yeah. Nothing worse. At any age, whether you're oh. a kid or your dad woke you up or whatnot. Yeah. I would try and catch the bus at the corner of Wall and Portage. And sometimes, and quite frankly, usually the lights would work out. And if I bolted, I could pass the bus at Aaron Street, dodge through the traffic and get to the next bus stop before the bus could get there when I was taking the bus westbound out to Westwood to go play football. Uh, But I, I could not try that now. 
<laughs> it would not be good. It would uh, not be pretty. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be a fun adventure. I think I'd do it about once. Did you? Uh, did the music from the Ferris Bueller scene where he's trying to beat his parents home at the end? Quite similarly. This probably was... Yeah, yeah, right around the same time as Ferris Bueller. Okay. So. Got a couple of text messages here, too, on the subject of snowplow parents. And Loren, you said we have one on pizza. Well, <laughs> it's kind of about pizza. So the, the snowplow study came out saying like an overwhelming number of parents are calling their kids employers. And by kids, they meant young adults who might not even live at home anymore, but they're calling their employers to help them out or calling to wake them up, making appointments for them. Anyway, one of our listeners writes in to say, hi there. My son worked at a restaurant and he had a coworker who asked for a Friday off at the last minute. The boss said no and said if he took the time off, he would lose his job. Well, on Friday, the co-worker did not show up, but his mother did and said she would take his place and deliver the pizza. Oh, my God. Come on! And I answered the text. I, I, you know, I used to be a restaurant manager, and and I said I don't know if I would have been blown away and impressed, or really, really bothered by this notion. It's insane. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> at least they, um, the argument could be made. Well, at least the guy covered his shift. That's all I always asked for. Just cover your shift. Well, he didn't. If you said cover your shift, that's one thing. Typically, He's, with an employee though, someone that actually works up there, or you lose your job. I wonder if she ended up delivering the pizza. Let us know. And then we had another one on uh, shoes at the back of the door. Good morning. More on teaching children life lessons. The perennial issue of shoes at the back door and two teenage sons. My sister got so frustrated telling her boys to put their shoes away properly when they came into the house because they never did that one day she put their shoes in the freezer when they finally found them after much searching. Because why the heck would you look in the freezer? They had to wear them. Shoes at the back door wasn't such an issue after that. <laughs> that That's is a great creative. idea. That's good. I'm going to do that with everyone's shoes. Yeah, you would. I could see you doing that uh, just to prank us the, all. No, I, I shoes in the front hallway make me crazy. Yeah, I'm a messy person, but I don't like shoes everywhere. <laughs> all right. And this is a poll that found 76 percent of parents reminded their adult children of deadlines at school. 74 percent made appointments for them, including doctor's appointments, and 11 percent of parents called their children's work uh, place of work if there was an issue. Lots of feedback at 204-780-6868. And one person says, this crazy lady I work with, if one of her children, ages 17 and 15, decide they are sick and want to stay home from school, she will stay home from work as well. These two children living in affluent neighborhood in the city, this lady has actually somehow convinced her employer to alter her schedule to allow her to drive her children to work and pick them up every day just so they don't have to walk or take the bus. Trish, meanwhile, says, My kids always would rock their chairs at dinner time. Over and over, I would tell them it was going to wreck the legs. One time, my eldest was doing it while eating tacos. <laughs> I ended up taking her chair away and made her stand the rest of the meal. She's 21 years old and is still mad I did that to her, but they never did it again. Mom, one, kids, zero. That's well, setting the example when they're young. There's contrasting right. styles of parenting For there, sure. right? There was the other one um, that we read out earlier from the guy who didn't want to work his shift at the pizza place. Oh, right. And so he, according to this listener, he told his boss he wasn't coming in that Friday. The boss said, you be there on Friday or you lose your job. On Friday, his mom showed up to deliver the pizza. Oh, and so deliver the pizzas. And so we asked, did the mom actually end up delivering the pizzas? And the listener let us know, no, the mom did not deliver the pizzas. And this individual was, in the end, fired.
Text us at 204-780-6868. Just one more quick text, Greg. That's lawnmower parents mowing down obstacles that are crucial in learning life lessons. There I like it go. a lot. We've been talking a lot about violence in our city and the latest trend that we that's popped onto our radar is carjackings. Yeah, and I think this is an important one to highlight to people because whenever we mention meth, invariably we get a few people that will say, well, it doesn't, doesn't apply to me. I'm not worried about meth because my kids don't do it or I don't do it. Well, if you think it doesn't apply to you, you might want to consider this. The number of carjackings in Winnipeg are on the rise, and please say that's in part due to this meth crisis we're in. In 2017, there were 50 carjackings in Winnipeg. In 2018, 103. So they more than doubled for a total of approximately two carjackings per week. Here's Constable Tammy Skrabek. We When we look at that big jump over 2017-2018, uh, I think we can attribute that to the increase of, of meth use, meth abusers, um, the increase in, in that erratic behavior that we're seeing. And there's also a bit of a correlation to the fact that cars cannot easily be stolen anymore. Um, you know, the, 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 the more the newer cars come out with the... Um, deterrence on them, the less they're able to be stolen. And now people that have the inhibition to steal vehicles are looking for vehicles that are already running um, and people that are vulnerable sitting in running vehicles. This week we heard the story and Greg, as soon as you saw it, you said, this is why you should care about meth, right? Yeah, I tweeted it out, got a lot of response. A 65-year-old woman was stopped at a red light near Burroughs Avenue and McPhillip Street when a man jumped into the passenger seat and pulled a knife told her to drive. Police say he then asked, get this, to be dropped off at the nearest district police station where he told police he was high on meth and wanted to be taken to the Main Street Project for care. Winnipeg police say not all carjackings are about stealing the car. We're seeing situations where we have people that are um, that are high on drugs, that are behaving erratically, that are at intersections or approaching people in their vehicles, attempting to open doors, not necessarily with the intention of carjacking, um, really just looking for either a ride or really unsure of where they are. Um, and just with that erratic behavior, I think we're seeing a little bit of an increase there um, in people attempting to get into other people's vehicles. Now, when I was growing up and even when in my travels, carjackings was something I, I didn't attribute to Canada, to be honest with you. I spent some time in South Africa and you if you stopped at a red light, you had odds of I think once every 25 seconds or something insane, a vehicle was carjacked in that country. So I really put it to other areas of the world to not really be or, or more of a rarity, at least in Winnipeg and Canada. But they're happening all over the place. So again, we said 103 of them last year. Sometimes they're happening in parkades or driveways, but they're also happening when you're in the car at those lights. Constable Brian Warm has some tips. Plan your route so you're not driving in unfamiliar areas or, or that sort of thing. But we would also recommend, you know, maybe avoiding those suspicious interactions. You know, if people are coming up to your car or they're trying to distract you or ask you to get out of the car to help them or whatever that case may be, um, you know, to avoid those sort of situations. Most newer cars now, as soon as you go into park or after you've gone into to drive and you've driven a certain distance, the car will automatically lock the doors, which is fantastic. I mean, obviously, if the door is locked, it's much harder for them to get in. Um, but what we recommend is, you know, you're not driving around with the windows all the way down so they can't just kind of reach in and, and open the door. Um, you know, don't leave it unattended. 
you know, don't leave your, you know, your kids are in the back seat. You're just running into the house for a second to grab something you've forgotten, and you know, you leave the door unlocked, that sort of thing. Um, that would certainly be uh, a preventative measure. But I mean, if they walk up to the window with a knife and the window is closed, you know, there, there's really no way of them injuring you unless they smash the window. In which case, you know, drive away and and like I said, just get out of the area. You can read more on carjackings at cjob.com and globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. Barrett Miller from Fort White Alive joins us now on 680 CJOB. And Barrett, we are just receiving a deluge of pictures of turkeys out in the streets of Winnipeg. What's going on? Why are they taking over? Well, they're taking over. Well, I'm not sure if they're taking over, but uh, turkeys. <laughs> I'm being dramatic, Barrett. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, sensationalizing. Yeah, yeah. Turkeys, uh, <laughs> the turkeys have um, found Winnipeg. Um, turkeys, just like a coyote or a raccoon, they can eat a little bit of anything, plants, meat, just about anything that's edible, just like we can. Um, we keep some of those things, like coyotes, away from places the turkeys want to go. So we're really creating not just a human city, but a turkey city as well. So um, we have turkey neighbors. You know how you can go for weeks in the winter without seeing a neighbor? You know, there's you might cross paths on your way to the bus <laughs> or when you're shoveling, but it's winter. You don't see the neighbors much? Mm-hmm. Well, that's sort of the same thing with the turkeys. Uh, when it's dark, long. They're up in the trees, they're hiding, they want to stay out of the cold. Right now, all the turkey thoughts are turning to breeding season, turning to love, feeling amorous, like you said. Um, there's a photo that I saw that had two tom turkeys, two males, really puffed up. Um, Today I learned that when a turkey puffs up to impress the females, it's actually called strutting. The toms are strutting right now. Yeah, they are. You know, uh, you may have heard the terminology, you're turkey lurky. This is more like turkey lurking and just (laughs) waiting to be seen and to get out about and to connect with the opposite sex. It's, it's, It's mating season. It is. It's, uh, it's definitely the season where the toms are out trying to impress the hens. So, yeah, they're puffed up, they're strutting around, and they're not, much like those deer back in the fall, thinking too much about their human neighbors. Uh, the hens, they'll be somewhat interested, but somewhat not interested right now. A few weeks down the road, that'll change. Um, mating will happen, and a little crop or a new crop of turkeys or poults will be on the way. Mm. Now, you mentioned that we were chatting, I sent you a text last night saying, what is going on with all these turkeys, Barrett? And you said you kind of don't want to get in these guys' or gals' way this time of year because the because of the loving. Is that fair? Well, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, they do have one thing on the mind, and uh, you don't want to be—you don't want to be that person, the one who uh, the third wheel gets in the way of a little turkey relationship developing. Um, just in general, turkeys, a male like a tom, can weigh between ten and twenty pounds. Twenty pounds a bird is a heavy bird. Uh, they do have sharp claws. If um, if you've watched the Jurassic Park movies, you know that dinosaurs sort of evolved into birds. Remember how smart and how vicious the raptors were. Uh-huh. Turkeys are scaled way, way down, and they're not about to figure out how to open your doors or anything. <laughs> but you are talking about little dinosaurs with sharp claws. 
that will try to get their way if they're cornered or scared. So you were accusing Brett McGarry of exaggerating, and now you come and you bring in this great big Jurassic <laughs> Park. Or you know, yeah. Great, we're going to have uh, sleepless nights now. You mentioned the fact that the turkeys are here. You also mentioned coyotes. Do we have to be concerned that the coyotes are going to track the turkeys into the city? Not really, no. Um, a coyote is far more likely to go after your garbage bin than a wild turkey. And a coyote, it's a small little dog that really wants nothing to do with you. Now, if you have a dog, coyotes and domestic dogs don't play nice. Um, there have been some incidents of, I would say, friction between coyotes and people over the last couple months in the city. But most of that comes down to a dog on a leash saying something to a coyote that says something back and... Uh, you know how it goes when two people or two anything start chirping at one another. Uh, it doesn't always end peacefully. That's sort of the kind of problem we have with coyotes in Winnipeg right now. Not really a problem, just a misunderstanding. Well, Barrett, we appreciate the insight as always. We love talking to you. And thank you so much uh, for taking a few minutes to tell us about the turkeys. Well, thank you. It's always good to talk turkey. And Fort White Alive is where Barrett Miller joins us from. They've always got cool stuff going on there. Uh, FortWhiteAlive.org is the website. And we want to thank everybody who is now sending us pictures of turkeys out in the streets. As I said, they're taking over. They're, they're not taking over. I don't know, man. Listen, this is a lot of turkey pictures people are sending, and I feel like I haven't been paying enough attention. I've never, ever seen a turkey on the streets of Winnipeg. I've seen peacocks. I've seen turkeys in wild. But in I've wa- never seen turkeys. In St. Norbert, I've seen them. Well, and that's where one of the pictures uh, was sent. Another one was from McPhillips, and uh, we just got one from Assiniboine Park as well. Some incredible news out of the National Hockey League. A couple days ago, you may have heard about this, Florida Panthers. President of Hockey Operations General Manager Dale Tallon announced that the Florida Panthers had agreed to terms with defenseman Brady Keeper on a two-year entry-level contract. Now, sometimes we see these signings and go, that's, that's very nice, Florida Panthers. Why would anybody in Winnipeg care about that or Manitoba? Well... Brady Keeper is a product of Manitoba, and he's a very special player in terms of his heritage and where he comes from. And to learn a little bit more about Brady and his road to the National Hockey League, we're welcoming Alfie Michaud. He is an assistant coach at the University of Maine, where Brady Keeper attended university and played hockey. He's also a Manitoban of Indigenous descent and has played a huge role along Brady's path to the National Hockey League. Good morning, Alfie. Hi, Hi everyone. Great to have you with us. I know you've been uh, doing multiple interviews and conversations about Brady, but uh, when I spoke to you yesterday, I got the sense that uh, you don't mind at all. This is a, a very special story. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about Brady Keeper? Well, he's, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, we say it here all the time at the university, he's just a great human being. Uh, that, that's the biggest thing. You know, he has an infectious smile and, uh, you know, he's he's pretty pretty easygoing guy, and uh, you know, it's just a testament to his mom and dad and his family uh, where he comes from, up in uh, in Cross Lake. And, uh, you know, I've been up into that community. Uh, I've met a lot of the people, and uh, you know, there's a lot of love and support there. Uh, you know, and I know, you know, everybody's ecstatic by the signing, and uh, you know, it's a you know, I've said it before, he's, he's a beacon of hope for those kids in the north. And, uh, you know, we couldn't be more happier as a program for him to be able to go on and and live his dream out to play in the National Hockey League. Now, uh, 
Maine, when it comes to university hockey, like right now we're talking about March Madness, basketball, the the final four, but in hockey it's the frozen four. And even though I'm, I often joke about how I call it ice hockey. I'm not a huge hockey guy, but even I know that Maine is a hockey power in college sports. How did this young man fall onto Maine's radar? Well, uh, obviously, um, you know, me being from Manitoba, uh, that was a thing. Uh, it just turned out, I, I you know, a, a friend of ours, uh, you know, well, I got a lot of friends out there. They just said, this is a kid you got to watch. At the time, I couldn't recruit. Um, I was just a volunteer assistant coach at University of Maine. But, uh, you know, um, just let Benny know, our assistant coach at the time, that this is a kid they should keep an eye on. And they start watching him. And I know Ben... Uh, you know, in the summertime, come and saw him. Brady happened to be uh, playing in a an alumni game of sorts uh, against these uh, native kids um, in uh, Manitoba. Uh, Hit the Ice is the TV show. It's on APTN. Brady was an alumni of that show. And so John Shabbat uh, was the kind of the coach of the, of the show every year. And, and I popped in a couple times as the goalie guy. And uh, Brady was there. And, uh, you know, Ben flew out and watched him there and uh, and just said, yeah, this is a kid we got to have and uh, committed him on the spot. And, and Brady uh, Brady really didn't didn't know a ton about us, but uh, I think knowing there was going to be a First Nation guy on staff, uh, you know, that 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 didn't uh, definitely, uh, you know, definitely help for sure. I'm, you know, I've been through a lot of what he's been through when it comes to having to leave home and and the homesickness and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, we couldn't be more happier. Brady kind of just out of the blue was, you know, what Ben asked, uh, he's like, yeah, sure. You know, and, uh, for him, it was just another way to keep playing. And that's sometimes with, with kids, um, of any kid, you might need a few more years and the NCAA, the NCAA college route is, um, is a great route that way because it just gives you four extra years. You know, you could be a 20 year old, uh, graduating from, you know, Canadian junior a, and you can go on and play, uh, if you're fortunate enough to get a scholarship, you can go on and play four more years of college. That gives you four more years of development. And, uh, it just turns out Brady only needed two. And, uh, and he's off and running now. It's an incredible rise for him. Brady from Pemichikamak, First Nation. It's a 500 kilometers north of Winnipeg. We might know it more as, as Cross Lake. And from, for many years, it's sometimes been in the headlines for the wrong reasons. And, you know, there's been a suicide crisis there and all the rest. And I can only imagine what this news might have meant up there when they heard this young man, this, this mentor for perhaps many, had made it to the NHL. Do you have any sense of what this just means for the Indigenous community alone up there? No question. It just uh, for, for all communities across the whole country, it's a big deal. Um, I know there's uh, you know there's an influx of Florida Panther hats and jerseys and everything <laughs> going. I know his whole community, all the kids are gone to Manitoba are coming up uh, down south to Winnipeg to play in the MICHCs. Those are uh, it's a tournament for for uh, minor tournament for station kids, and uh, it's a minor hockey tournament there in Winnipeg going on this weekend. And I know everybody's ecstatic that they get to go get to Winnipeg and uh, buy their their Panther gear, you know. Um, and and yeah, so um, yes, it's 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 amazing. It's an amazing story, and like I said, it's a t- testament to that kid. Uh, you know, he, he's been cut from 
from teams. Uh, he's probably been misunderstood at times, um, you know, and, and that, that happens with, with the Native youth is that they just, uh, if you don't know where they're coming from, it, it's sometimes it's hard. You, you think other things. And like I said, I was really fortunate that I, I grew up around it. Uh, both my parents being First Nations, so I kind of knew how it was and how you can talk to these kids. And uh, and believe me, but there were times that, uh, you know, you kind of wonder, is it worth it? But, uh, you know, you, you just stick with it. And uh, and, and we all did. And that understanding coaching staff here that, you know, with me, I'd, I'd just give them time. It's, it's going to take time for him. He's, he's coming from a place that just, he doesn't know. He doesn't know any different. Um, and by some of his actions, and, uh, no, it's it's great. Like I said, we were we're thrilled for the kid. Now uh, Brady Keeper played at OCN uh, for the Blizzard uh, for a couple of seasons. In fact, he was named the MJHL's top defenseman and most valuable player in 2016-17. And Alfie Michaud is our uh, our guest. You probably know his name because he played for the Manitoba Moose once upon a time, 16 years in uh, pro hockey. He's a goaltender, including stints with the Canucks, uh, Syracuse Crunch. And uh, Alfie, when we were speaking yesterday, you have really, you talk about taking over and and uh, embracing the lifestyle of where you live. Why don't you tell us what, you, what you're up to for the next couple of days living in Maine? Uh, well, the next couple of days, actually, I was, I've been on the phone this morning, uh, the recruiting process. It really doesn't stop for us. Uh, we get a few days, uh, you know, but our season ended on Saturday. Uh, we took care of Brady. Uh, we had three signings to the National Hockey League uh, between Saturday, Sunday, or sorry, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. So you're taking care of all that stuff. We kind of, we chime in on what gets tweeted out, all that kind of stuff here uh, on campus. And and then it's kind of, I really honestly still haven't even thought about that our season's been over because it's been such a whirlwind uh, with our guys signing contracts and, and stuff. And you're, you're seeing them off. Those are, you know, those are, you know, we look at them, those are our boys. You know, mm-hmm. we, we invest a lot of time with these kids. Uh, you know, so doing that, I still got to go through on the series of Northeastern. We we got knocked out, lost two heartbreaking games, two to one in overtime and two to one in regulation. So our season's over. But at the same time, we got to, we'll look back, uh, exit meetings next week. Um, I'm off somewhere here. I got to fly out tomorrow, uh, get on the recruiting trail and, you know, we got to go go replace. We lost a couple of underclassmen, Brady, and then we lost uh, Chase Pearson, signed with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, we got another kid, a defenseman. He was a senior, so he was out the door. But uh, you know, we got to go look. We're, we we got to replace two underclassmen. Um, you know, we thought Brady, we, we'd have one more year. At least I did. That was my uh, that was my gut feeling. Um, but at the same time, like I said, when when he sat down with me and you can see him looking and I just asked him, I said, this is what you want to do. And he's like, this is what I want to do. I said, perfect. And go do it. Cause if that's what your heart's telling you to do, uh, then it means it's, it's mission accomplished. Cause I sat there, I talked to him and I told him if you can come to us and, and with, uh, with development, uh, and working on your game and, and catching up to speed, uh, I think you, I think you have a shot at playing, playing at the next level. And, um, so like I said, it, it's a proud moment. And, and at the same time, it's a little bit of relief because yeah, you, you, you tell these kids these things and, and you try your darndest to help them reach that, that pinnacle, but it's tough. It's a tough league to, to crack. And, 
you know, um, like I said, I know I got there, but uh, I know what I had to do to sacrifice and what I gave up and, you know, and I got my cup of coffee, but, you know, we're trying to prepare him to, um, to have a long career in the national hockey league, not just, not just the cup of coffee that I had. Alfie, thanks so much for this. We appreciate your time and uh, everything that you've done for Brady. Uh, the story is incredible, and uh, we look forward to catching up, up to you down the road for, for other reasons. Thanks again. Perfect. Thanks. Have a good day. Alfie Michaud, assistant coach at the University of Maine. He is also a Manitoban of Indigenous descent, and we have been telling you about this young man, uh, Brady, who is now going to be Brady Keeper. He has been drafted by the Florida Panthers. He signed his uh, first contract, entry-level contract, a two-year deal with the Panthers. And, yeah, if you're buying stock or if you can get your hands on Florida Panthers gear in the next 24 or 48 hours, you might want to stock up on that because it's probably going to be a hot commodity throughout the province over the next couple of years. Think of all the 2-2 fans that were out there that went to Nashville for a little bit before that. It was... Oh, I'm forgetting Detroit. Buff- Detroit. Yeah. yeah, Buffalo was it not at one point? I don't but know if he was in Buffalo. Good any- question. Anyway, it really prompts a whole following. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.